Somebody's praying I can feel it Somebody's praying for me Protect me from what I can't see, Lord. I believe, Lord. I believe somebody's praying for me. sing that song it it always reminds me of the necessity of those around us um, that pray for us you may never meet a person that prays for you but yet you know that you feel something uh, because of someone praying for you one of those in my life was my grandmother she was one that had gotten far as I could remember her activity in her life and my grandfather and grandmother 
were not necessarily disabled, but just were not as active as they probably once were because they both had heart conditions and things led to, uh, you know, decrease in their mobility. The one thing she could do is she could pray. And when she, she died, I thought I was, many of us in the family thought, you know, what now? What, what's next? We're losing a prayer warrior. We know that probably what kept us out of jail many times as small kids <laughs> may have been my grandmother praying or, or what made us make the right decision was our grandmother praying or, or able to do whatever we did because my grandmother prayed. And then, you know, I learned through the years the joy uh, the importance of how others stepped in at the right time, and I learned how others have prayed. And I am what I am today, not because of my ability or my intellect. I really firmly believe it's because of someone praying. And you are who you are because of someone praying. You know, when, I want to give you the picture of this. You are one thought and one breath away from communicating to the creator of the world. Thought about that? One thought, one breath away from communicating to the God of this world. And you and I together, we find sometimes we are frustrated with the events and circumstances of our life. We find ourselves in an upheaval many times when we face health issues that were unexpected. We begin to question because relationships tend to go bad from time to time, and we say, what next? And I'm not trying to be oversimplistic in the statement that I'm going to make, but yet at the same time, it is this simple. When things go wrong, if we're one thought and one breath away from communicating to the creator of this world, if something goes wrong, whose fault really is it? It's not God's. If the frustration overcomes us when the problem exists or the attitude changes because we can't handle it or the stress level rises greater through the roof than we could ever even dreamed, whose fault is it? If we're one breath and one thought away from the Creator, why not get on our knees? And if you have trouble, get on your knees. Then sit on the side of your bed, sit on a comfortable chair, or throw down some pillows on the floor, and just spend time praying to God and saying, God, I can't handle it. I need your help. I need your direction. I need your guidance. I need to get over this frustration. I need... I need relief. I need release. Pray about it. It's, it does a body good. We're not talking about milk. It does a body good. It helps. And this message this morning is entitled, I've Got This. And it comes from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. One verse. And the, and the powerful scripture says this. With every prayer and request pray at all times in the spirit and stay alert in this with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints 
So with every prayer and request, pray at all times in the Spirit and stay alert in this with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Now, underline some things in that scripture, and then we're going to leave it up on the screen for just a few moments. Now, maybe highlight some things as we talk about this message. You know, the phrase, I've got this, is a phrase that, say you, you hear a coworker in response when you go up to them and say, hey, this needs to be done, and the coworker says, I've got this. In other words, it kind of takes the pressure off, okay? We know someone's going to take care of it. There's no need to worry. It's all covered. We have it under control. I understand the situation. I'm taking care of it. That's kind of that phrase. So if, if you and I are challenged to pray, we should have the same attitude, I've got this. I've got it under control. Not that we are in control of prayer, but, but prayer is not an intimidating factor that causes me fear. It is a welcomed response because I want to communicate to the Father. I want to communicate in Jesus' name. I want to communicate in the Spirit. I want to be in communication to the very one who created me, who knows me inside and out. Can we respond this way in our own life in saying, I, I'm all over it. I've got it. I've, I'm, I, it's no problem. Someone calls and says, hey, can you pray with me about this situation? You say, hey, I got it. In fact, we're going to pray right now. And we do that. You know, prayer is, is one of the, the most neglected spiritual discipline in our own life. And prayer is the most privileged spiritual discipline in our own life. If you've got problems, why not just spend some time talking to the Father? Now, we're going to look at some other scripture. We're going to talk about the throne of grace. And, you know, I've given you this picture before. Picture God as, as one who, that you're, that you're standing on the outside of two big doors. And they're, they're, they're not going to open until you cry out and say, Abba, Father. And all of a sudden, those doors swing open. And the first thing you see through those doors is the heavenly Father sitting on the throne with the biggest smile on his face, with his arms open wide, inviting you to come into his presence. <laughs> yeah. and, you, and you fall on your knees, and, you, and you're, you're right before the Father. Dan, you may have to switch the camera, Dan. Uh, you fall on your knees, and, and you're looking up to the Father. And the Father's just, just waiting for that one, one word that you're going to say. And you begin to talk to him. And he listens. And he hears everything you say. He understands every emotion you have. And you're crying out to him. And all he's wanting is you to get closer and closer and closer to him so that you understand that presence, you understand the next response that needs to be in our response to whatever situation. And so the throne of grace is a, is a throne that we're all welcomed into when we cry out, Abba, Father. So with every prayer and request, at, pray at all times in the Spirit, staying alert in this with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. 
What a powerful verse Ephesians verse six, uh, chapter 6, 18 is. This is one of the, the Bible's most uh, you know, amazing verses on prayer. And when you examine it closely, you discover that there are some guidelines on how to have an effective and exciting prayer life. These words within this verse remind us of some things to, that we all can get all over it as we pray. In other words, it becomes guidelines for prayer. And it's just three things that I'm going to mention. And then we're going to look at some other scriptures in relation to each of these points. First of all is all times. That jumps off from that scripture of Ephesians 6 verse 18. With every prayer request, pray at all times in the spirit at all times. You know, when I first became a Christian, my pastor gave me a survival kit for new Christians. It was a uh, six-week study. At that time, it was actually a nine-week study. They've now condensed it to a six-week study. And each day, you were to go through and answer some questions, read a scripture, have a little prayer time, journal a little bit, And it was always some good thoughts and nuggets. And it was just teaching you the spiritual disciplines of what you now do after becoming a Christian. And one of those, obviously, the most important at the time, was prayer. And and I remember, for me, a quiet time was a designated time I set aside at a certain time of the day that I took this survival kit and I had my quiet time. And so... For as a newborn Christian, I saw God in my schedule, you know, and I thought this was my all time. Later on, I learned that it didn't just have to be at that scheduled moment in the morning or the evening, whenever it is that you have that closed private time with God, but it's at all times. Everywhere we go, when a phone call comes, we can pray. When we're out on the traveling, we can pray. Wherever we are, in any situation, in the doctor's office, looking at someone who's in a worse situation than we are, we begin to pray. And we can pray at all times. And so knowing and understanding the reason why we can pray at all times is because the, the throne of grace, the doors are open for us to want us be ushered into the throne of God and come down before the Father and talk to Him what's on our heart. The Bible tells us that we are to pray without ceasing. That, that for many believers, this may not be understood at first when we're first newly formed babes in Christ, but we begin to develop and practice that we understand that prayer is for each individual a daily and constant and yet consistent way of life or living as a born-again believer. And in any given moment, we are only that thought and breath away of communicating to the Father of all, the Father who is, the, to, to the, the creator of the world. And especially in a day, in an age, when we pride ourselves on having high-speed Internet access and we want it to go faster every day, we have high-speed instant access connection with the Heavenly Father. Amen. And so and it's never down. Is never going to go off. And it's not based on electricity. It's based on the power that comes from God. And in the Spirit, we find that power. It, this was intriguing, <clears throat> intriguing to me as I looked at David's life. And if you want a good study, study the first 10 ver- books of Psalms, I mean, first 10 chapters of Psalms. And you will find <clears throat> in all of those 10 chapters, 
where David has a specific time that he's praying. All right, in Psalm 4, we're reminded that David prayed before ending the day. In Psalm 5, we see him in prayer at the start of the day. In Psalm 6, you'll see how he prayed in the aftermath of all his failures. In Psalm 7, we'll see how David prayed when pressure was on him and he was under attack. In Psalm 8, you'll see that he prayed as he thought about the creative power of God. In Psalm 9, you'll see that he prayed in times of joy. In Psalm 10, he prayed when he felt isolated. Just those first 10 chapters of Psalms, you'll see that David prayed in all sorts of situations. In other words, he was in prayer at all times, whether it was through a need of his life or the joy of his life, whether it was when he was under pressure or when he was in a time of celebration, when he was in the beginning of his day and when he ended his day. David was one who prayed at all times, and David was successful, the most successful king in the nation of Israel until... He had those failures. And then even after the failures in Psalm 139, it doesn't stop. All throughout the Psalms, you'll see prayer as a very important facet of David's life, except for the time that he had his failure. You'll see prayer is missing. But when he came back to God, and in Psalm 139, he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart, and see if there be anything wicked within me and then lead me in the way of everlasting. Psalm 51 is the entire psalm of confession where David is just right before God and he's saying, God, I confess my sin. I confess this, I confess that. And he confesses his whole life before God and it's through prayer that he is restored. It is through prayer that he finds release. It is through prayer that he finds the answer to get back in there and be the king that he was called to be. And so he, he understood Prayer at all times. And so you and I have that joy and that privilege of praying at all times. <clears throat> In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, um, verses 16 through 18, it says this, Rejoice always, pray constantly. In other words, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in everything for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And so here, even in Thessalonians, Paul is telling the, the Thessalonians that, that he is encouraging them to pray. He is strongly urging them to pray. He is almost mandating the importance of praying at all times when we're up against challenges. You know, there, there are times when, you know, we meet one another in places, you know, grocery store, or, or, or we, we see one another at, at a wedding or a park. I say a wedding, this is what my life is. At, at the park, you see me there doing some wedding. Or we run, to, run into each other at a restaurant. You know, there, there's an instant connection because of the love we have for one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and if I walked up to you and said, hey, Jeff, pray for me right now. 
No matter where we're at, if we're in the meat department of the produce, he's probably going to pray at that very moment. We're going to pray it out. We know it doesn't have to be a certain environment. We're going to do it. Same thing wherever we are. Well, that, that becomes a natural thing. But how about when the person who we don't know, we don't know what they're going through, approaches us and says, hey, can you pray with me? And you're thinking, wow, I didn't even know you had a spiritual thought in you, but you're coming to me, so that's not an accident. And so you pray with them at that very moment. You hold their hand and you pray and you, and you cast them before God. In other words, you go through the doors with them and you kneel before the throne of grace, the throne of God, and you help them to see the Father like they've never seen him before. And you pray with belief and you're praying at all times and something is happening in the midst of that prayer between you and them and God. All because we understand that we can pray at all times. Beautiful, isn't it? It's safe to say that David has a lifestyle of prayer and praying without ceasing. And he stressed how important it is to keep the lines of communication open to God. How many times in your life have you all, you know, been up, what do I do here? How do I make this decision? Where's the first place to start? Our tendency is to go to the person we love the best and seek their advice. And our spouses or our children or the coworkers or whoever it is, and we start seeking their earthly advice. But we should start where? With the Father. And say, God, this is what I'm up against. You know it already. I don't even have to tell you, but it's necessary that I do because I don't know the answer. And I've got to be directed here. And I need your wisdom. I need your discernment. I need your spirit to guide me through this. So, Father, here is my problem. What should I do? At all times, we can pray. Keep the lines of communication open because we have instant access, instant access to the Father who created this world. And second of all, is based on that scripture with every prayer request, praying at all times in the Spirit, staying alert in this with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Second of all is all types, all times and all types. We should pray with, with all types of prayer. I was look. I, I I did a Google search. You know, Google's the next next thing we we go to when we don't have answers, right? And I went to Google this morning. And I said I put in there uh, types of prayer. It was interesting what came up, and I mean just instantly. And and one thing that jumped out was it showed. And I probably should have put it up on the screen for you to see it because it was very intriguing. You can do the same. Seven things that we all have. Necessary, necessarily need to do in prayer. Confession, thanksgiving, prayer. The list goes on and on. And it's release, freedom. And all those things happen when we go to God and it's not just certain types of prayers that we should pray, but there are all types of prayers that are necessary for us to pray. There are times when I need to confess. I need to say to God, God, this is what I confess to you. There are times when I need to go to God and say, God, I need freedom in this. There are times in my life, in the prayer, I need to just praise God and forget about me and forget about everything else and just give him praise. There are times in my life I need to give him thanksgiving. There are times in my, and on and on we go. There are all types of prayers. There's not specific ones that we have to pray. There's all types of prayers. Staying alert in this with all perseverance and intercession, the scripture says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. 
Praying happens in so many ways in the life of the Christian. And we offer up prayers of praise to the Heavenly Father. And these prayers where, where we simply say thanks and we express our gratitude to God. And we pray about things that trouble us. We pray about things that, that weigh heavy upon our hearts. We pray about the moments when we fail. We pray about the moments when we let God down. An important part of our prayer life is time spent praying for ourselves, but more importantly as well as praying for others. So there's all types of prayers that we can pray. If you, if you find yourself not liking a person, pray for them. Now I'm not, not you know, I think we're laughing because it's happened, what I'm getting ready to say, it has happened to you. If you find yourself just, they're rubbing you wrong and you just don't like them, then just start praying for them. Not praying that they will change, and not praying that they'll like you or, or anything like, pray for their spiritual well-being. Pray that God will do something miraculous in their life. Pray that they'll come to love Jesus. Pray that they will, they will serve God, you know, greater than what they could ever, any way they could have ever served in their, in their imagination and dreams. And just praying for their spiritual well-being. And then you'll find out that the people you're praying for, the ones you thought you didn't like, you're going to start loving them. You're going to start wanting to be around them. You're going to, you're going to smile when you see them. You're going to embrace them when you, when you hug them when you see them. And you're going to say, hey, I don't know what happened, but it changed. I love you now. <laughs> I don't regret you. I, and I, don't, I don't fret from you. I, I want to be around you. It happens. Because prayer changes things. Prayer changes people. And it changes us. And when we pray all types of prayers, you know, prayer is a dynamic an active part of a lifestyle of that growing believer. It's a dynamic aspect and it's active in the lifestyle of that believer. And this verse reminds us to keep it at all times, keep praying at all times and keep praying for others as we pray for one another. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, it says this, therefore, here he goes, therefore let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us at the proper time. You know, if you want, if you want to get a picture of kingship, start studying the history of kings and you'll see that the subjects that come into the king's presence don't just open the door without knocking and just walk in there and say, hey, king dude, I want to talk with you. It just doesn't happen that way. There's a certain reverence. There's a certain respect. There's a certain honor that you give the king because you realize you're just the subject. And so we go and approach the throne of grace with a reverence and with a respect and with an honor because we know it is a privilege that we are invited through those gates and we're allowed to bow before the throne and we're able to be touched by the grace of God. Because as we pray to God, we're receiving mercy. We're receiving grace in our time of need. And God in his graciousness and his love because of his, his friendship love towards us says to us, you are crying out to the one that you need to cry out to you have come to the one who has all the answers. You have come to the one who can provide whatever your needs are 
Thank you for being here. And the extension of mercy and the extension of grace is given to us. Beautiful picture. God's not going to say, hey, I don't like you. You rub me wrong, buddy. Get out of here. It's not going to happen. God wants us to be at his feet. He wants us to be servants of the kingdom. He wants us to love in ways in which we could not even imagine loving. He wants us to do things beyond what we could ever dream we could do. He wants us to see things beyond that which we can see temporal. He wants us to see the eternal. He wants us to see the unseen. He wants to see our faith grow. He wants to see things happen because he knows who we are. <clears throat> he knows what he's created. He knows we deal with emotions. He knows we deal with brokenness. He knows we deal with highs and lows and joys and celebration. He knows we respond in one way or the other. He knows sometimes we ball up our fist in anger, and he also knows at times we have arms welcome of hugging. He understands all those things. And prayer is that dynamic of the active part of the lifestyle of the growing believer that changes the believer day by day. So we must keep praying at all times with all types of prayers as we pray for one another and pray for ourselves. And third of all is we do it all together. We do it all together. You know, the scriptures are clear that, you know, if in Hebrews it says, and I wish you looked up that reference, and unfortunately my brain's elusive sometimes, but it's right there in Hebrews where it says that we, either the remedy of help when it comes to the sins of our life, it says, confess your sin one to another. Think about it. If, if every one of us took a time here, and those even online took time to, to make comments and confess one sin, what would that do to this environment? If you confess something very deep and personal that nobody knows, and you said, hey, I confess this sin, and everybody had a turn in this room. You know what, it would hap what would happen? You would have a dynamic of appreciation and love for that person greater than you ever would have without that confession because we all are in the same boat together. We'll start loving that person with greater understanding. I've shared this many years ago on, on occasions when I talk about confession during one of my pastorates out in the country, sometimes we would see guests come by. And if guests come by, there were either two, two types of people. They, they had a family connection that brought them there or they were lost in the woods and didn't know how to go, where to go. And that was about all you saw. And this is one of those churches. You know, you drove uh, out in the country and you drove far enough, and when you thought you drove far enough, you go 15 more miles and you'll find us. And so this church sat there, and you're coming up on the woods, and all of a sudden this church just beaming through the woods. It's a very beautiful setting. And on one occasion, we had begun the service, and I was preaching on forgiveness. And this gentleman walks in as a stranger. I had no idea, never met him, didn't know who he was. Others didn't know who he was but he just took a seat very quietly in the back of the congregation. And I continue to preach on forgiveness and so forth and et cetera. And at the end of the service, as I was standing there in the foyer, 
to greet those, he was the first one to shake my hand because he was the last one to enter and he had really the best seat to exit because he was at the very back. And so he come by and he said, Pastor, you don't know me. And to this day, I, I never asked the man's name. He said, I left my wife this morning and I've got my car packed and I was driving east. And I said, whatever church comes to me at 11 o'clock, I'm going to stop and I'm going to worship. And he said, I am a pastor and I've left my wife and my family. And he said, and the message you preached today told me to get back in my car and go home and to confess every sin to my family. And, you know, I, I don't know how the outcome came, but I do know that he went west and not east. You know, when, when you and I can all together come together and agree to, to confess sin one to another, it's a wonderful thing. But when we all do it together individually to God, <laughs> wow, the, the heavens open and the throne, of, the throne of God is filled with mercy and grace extended to all those who make that confession. The same church I was serving, I had a great man who was a great Bible teacher. Um, a pharmacist in a hospital. And he, he was just one of those you're attracted. He had a personality that you want to be around. He was very likable. He was huggable, you know, easy to invite over to dinner. You know, it's that type of personality. And we taught for over a year in Sunday school and we just thought, hey, he was a major contributor in the church financially just because of his salary. Well-liked, well-thought of in the medical community in the hospital at the pharmacist. And one day in the middle of my sermon, we were speaking on confessing sin one to another. And he stopped the service and said, I can't stand it any longer. <laughs> I'll get emotional telling the story. And he stood up and he said, I got to confess my sin. And I said, Jim, you've got the floor. He said, I am an alcoholic and I've hit it all my life. And I realize that in confession of my sin in public, I have just jeopardized my job because alcohol and pharmacy work do not go hand in hand. And so he made that confession. I'm young. I'm coming out of seminary following the guidelines of seminary, and they didn't tell me this was going to happen when I preach. <laughs> so I'm thinking, what do I do now? And I watched the congregation one by one get up, and they gathered around him, hugging him, loving on him. And you know what happened next? Jim, I want to tell you what I've done. And it turned out to a time of confession in the congregation. And I'm thinking... No more, no, no need to preach anymore. It's happening right here on the floor as they began to confess one to another. Now, the story of that was he got into, he got into rehab for two weeks. The hospital worked with him, and he kept his job. He eventually would move from the hospital and become a pharmacist at a CVS because of some of the difficulties that others had with him at the hospital because of that confession. And to this day, far as I know, he never reverted back to alcohol after the long stint of going through therapy. 
And so when you and I understand what prayer and confession is, it is amazing what happens to the inward parts of who we are. So when we do it all together, uh, life changes. There's another scripture in Philippians uh, chapter 4, uh, verses 6 and 7. You probably could quote this. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And if you do, and the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So if you want the peace of God that surpasses every thought, and you want that heart to be guarded in Christ Jesus, there is one condition. That you let your request be made known to God in prayer and petition and supplication with thanksgiving. In other words, you've got to pray. You've got to talk to the one who you're only one breath and one thought away from communicating to right this very moment. So we do it all together. And the scripture says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, stay alert in this with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Staying alert all together. Prayer should be a constant for the Christian life. Our goal is for prayer to be the natural aspect of our life as natural as breathing is for us. If prayer can become the habit of our life, then the way we look at the world and we deal with others will change. In praying for others, we're only likely to remember that, that we are all in this thing called life together. That no one has it all together. No one has it all worked out. No one's got it under their control. But yet, it's at the same time, we understand I've got this together because we can pray one with another. If we can find the right balance... And if we can open our eyes to the needs of others and we pray for them, it is, being, it is knowing then that we are involved in the kingdom work for God. You ever thought of that? That when you pray for someone, you're actually working the kingdom. <laughs> you're working the kingdom's benefit into the heart of that person you're praying for. When we realize this, that we are a part of the body of Christ, we have obligation to one another and those around us, it makes a difference. This gives us the new sense of purpose. It gives us a renewed sense of hope as we remember and that we're connected to the body of Christ. Again, I'm going to go back to this statement that I said I was going to mention a moment ago. Simplicity is a good thing. And at the same time, I'm going to make a statement here, and don't let it rub you wrong. Okay. If you've got a problem in your life and that problem is overtaking you, there is a simple solution. The problem is not the problem. The problem is you. Take it to God in prayer. If you are frustrated with whatever you're dealing with, the problem's not the frustration. The problem is you. Take it to God in prayer. I've heard people saying, I can't do this. This is not my plan for my life. <laughs> I can't do this. In other words, they're saying, I don't want to do this, and this is not what my plan is for my life. 
It's not that I can't. When they change it to the point where they say to, to God, God, I can't handle this. <laughs> I need you to work out all the intricate details. And I place it before this throne because in this throne house, there is grace and there is mercy. And I need your grace and I need your mercy so that I could be the person you've called me to be doing your kingdom work. It's all about the kingdom and it's all about God. It's not about us and it's not about our wants and needs. It's all of how we can serve him. And we get to that point. It is that simple. The problem is we forget. And I'm talking to me more than I am anybody else. The problem is we forget to pray first before we decide. Take it to God in prayer. It just may be that will, you will find the greatest answer faster if you do so. If we could pray at all times and we could pray with all types of conversations with God or have all types of conversations with God and take seriously our role in the kingdom of God for the benefit of others, we would begin to experience God in powerful ways beyond belief. Our lives would become lives that are fueled by passion for living for Christ. When it comes to prayer, we should be all over it. We should, we should be the mindset, I've got this. It will help us stay on track as we strive to make the difference in the world around us and for the kingdom. In talking with people who are concerned because God doesn't seem to be answering prayers, Pastor Bill Hybels used a little outline he borrowed from a pastor friend, and he said this, if the request is wrong, God says no. If the timing is wrong, God says slow. If you are wrong, God says grow. But if your request is right, the timing is right, and you're right, God says go. Think about it. It is that simple. Not my will, but thine be done. That's hard. Because when I look out at things, I think, hmm, that's, that's what I want. That's my will to be done, not his. But when we get to the point and we say, wait a minute, it's his will, not mine, be done, it makes a difference. Jesus became our example of that powerful prayer in Gethsemane. Now, we know Jesus was dealing with the sin of the world. He was dealing with the problems of who we are. He was dealing with the sin debt that had, we had over our, our minds. And in other words, he was dealing with the, the key that was going to keep that gate open at all times so that you and I have access to the grace of God, to the throne of God, because he was going to separate that, that veil. He was going to tear it in two from top to bottom that opened up the opportunity for every day so that we could pray at all times, all conversation with God, all together, and have every access, instant access to the Father above. Powerful. When thinking about your prayer life, what's one thing that you need to change or adopt in order to be prayerfully effective? 
That's not a question to answer out loud. You, you're welcome to do that. But, but it's really a question for you to think about. You know, when thinking about your prayer life, what is that, that one thing that you can change or adopt so that you could have, you know, your prayer life be very effective? The prayer of a righteous person availeth much. You know, it, it's, it's, it's powerful. It's effective. And think about where you are in your individual Christian pilgrimage. Prayers should never be the last resort. It should be our first. Because when we approach that throne, we'll find God smiling at us. We'll find God's embrace. And we'll find a heavy dose of grace and an overwhelming joy of mercy given to us when we say, Abba, Father. Pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And Father, we do thank you. We give you praise. We give you honor. We give you glory for all that you are and all that you can be for our lives if we will give you permission to do so. Father, thank you for just embracing us with a welcome spirit this morning, inviting us greater this day into your presence as we draw near to you and you draw near to us. As we cast out our concerns and our prayers and our needs before you, praying for ourselves and those around us, knowing that you hear all things that we pray. And Lord, may your will be done and may you have at will work in each of our lives. In your name that we pray, amen. My friend, we want to stand and sing a song of invitation, a song of commitment today. And it's just that, a song in which we can give to God as a commitment to him. And if you need me to pray with you, I'm here as well as we sing together, sweet hour, of, no, uh, sing together, trusting Jesus. Yeah, yeah.